the loathsome James. Should we uh, try to record a podcast? I don't know. You think there's a time in the evening? Uh, I guess so. But we gotta bang it out. I, I, I know. Partially because uh, uh, the viewers know that uh, that I am the the ever baking uh, Kirby, in which I spent um, like six hours. I guess ultimately from through all the different processes that must be done to create bad macarons. Why? Did you know you could just buy them? Fuck. Did anyone tell you that? Where? Just anywhere. I don't know. Like you could probably buy them like at your neighbor's house. You just go over there with like some. They're making macarons. Couple bucks and Good just... macarons. No, it's just that they're everyone has them and everyone's everyone looking to get rid of them. them. Yeah, everyone's so you could just go over there and be like, "Hey, can I have some macarons?" And they'll be like, "Yeah." Couple and then they, they'll be like mac- macaroons, and I'd be like, no, there's a difference. And they'll be like, oh, Macron, the um, the politician. Oh yeah, and then I would say yes, and then Emmanuel they would say, Macron, the president is. of France. Here he is. This is this is a uh, what's the deal with politics for the week of three twenty eight, and we are this week. We're not even going to be about politics. Well, I want to be about celebrity goss because you know, know what happened at the Oscars last night. Oh my god. Yeah, I can't do. believe it. it. Dune swept it. Dune uh, swept it. Coda won uh, Picture of the Year. King Richard? Was it Best, Best actor? actor? Best Actor. Best Actor. I forget who it was um, that won Best Actor for King Richard. I feel like enough Not people are talking about this really like Will Smith coming thing. To, that, what, what about Will Smith? He won Best I, Actor. I feel like enough people are talking about the Will Smith thing that we don't really even have to talk about it. I feel like right? if I know our viewers and I know our viewers... I think that primarily they get their goss news from us, right? Why wouldn't they get our they they get their celebrity goss? Uh, they get their their up to date political kind of ramblings that we do every week, you know. I think a hundred percent of our viewers go on Reddit. A hundred percent of our viewers. A hundred percent. With what? With what? How do you how do you create this? I'm how, just. How uh, have you done this research? I'm using the demographic analysis that I that I get every time somebody uh, listens to the podcast. You know. Oh really? You bet. I wonder how. I wonder how white male our viewers are. Did you know that ninety eight percent of our uh, listeners live in Alaska? Is that true? No. Okay. I would feel bad. I'm. You know that I. I would. I wouldn't have a hard time believing it because I always think about how. How I definitely have seasonal affective disorder and. Uh, I'm feeling better and like the sun, the sun is out more and the weather is, is getting a little bit better. And I always think, you know, Alaska would just be a death trap for me. That Can you imagine nice for what... you? It rain, it snowed today over here. Like that, snow, snowed... I, I like snow. I, you snow like cheers snow, me, but... it shows, snow cheers me up, which is the dichotomy of myself. I, I love snow. I love, I, I want there to be less darkness. So if I could get, I mean, a, daylight savings is a, is good for you then, yes. right? Like yes, the, this, the, the new daylight the new, savings change is going to be and, is going to be positive. I think it's going to be positive for everyone. Yes, um, but you know what would be crazy if for once we ne- we didn't talk about celebrity goss, we didn't get into politics because everyone knows we love to go there. If we um, go straight into something that we really know almost nothing about, um, because like for me, it's celebrity goss, uh, politics. Um, and uh, baking, and then below baking, there's several other hundred things: um, diff- incense, um, oil diffusers, cats, um, uh, PCs. So wait, so you know, you just like generally know about cats? Yes. Okay, give me, tell me like 
a th- something about cats. Uh, cats have this sack on the bottom called the primordial pouch. Um, it's sometimes people think that their cat is tubby when really it's just this flap of skin that is a thick flap of skin over their belly because when they attack prey, they pull it towards their belly and then scratch it and the prey has a chance to attack their, their soft belly, but they position them near the primordial pouch. So it's like a little bit of armor? It's a little tiny bit of under armor. All right. Do you know Let's that talk ca- about video games. Do you know that male cats have nipples that are as useless as human male nipples, but they have more of them? So does so do dogs. I don't think that's video true. Video games. Video games. All right. I guess it's a good topic for this week. You want to talk Should we about, talk about new video games? You want to talk about old video games? Where do you want to start? I play, I'm playing Kirby and the Forgotten Land. You are Kirby. And Long I, Island is the Forgotten Land. So, so I'm playing a bio, bio uh, an, an autobiographical. Well, no, not a biographical, not an autobiographical, because I didn't. But um, uh, Nintendo did create a biography of my life. Um, I think it's more of my teenage years. Um, and there's the pink, uh, large circular fiend uh, that's hunger knows no bounds, Kirby. And uh, this is it. I, I don't want to. I can't talk in great detail about this game because it's largely a known quantity um it's kind of i i think it it's a bigger deal than normal because i think it is a really like it's a good uh it's a really really good kirby game and it's a really good like next gen kirby game and it, it is kind of a it's on par with like a mario which i think is rare because i usually don't find kirby games to be that to be on that on that level um it's extremely fun uh, Kirby, the, the, yes. the, the environments look amazing. The, uh, it, it is it's sort a, of like a post-apocalyptic, right? It it's is a, absolutely a post-apocalyptic. It, the last it is, of us. It Horizon is, it, Forbidden West. It looks Kirby. so good. Like, it looks so good. And the, the vibe is like, like, this is one of those games that really does put a lot of other games. Like, Nintendo knows their hardware. And this game puts a lot of other Switch games to, to shame. It looks incredible. Um, the... Every area just is absolutely gorgeous. It, the music is phenomenal. It's so light and happy and cheerful and like orchestra, like these these huge you know booming orchestrations. And uh, you're going through like you know malls. This is this is post post apocalypse. There's no humans to speak of. And uh, you know you're going into like a mall where there's like lush vegetation and a tree growing yeah. in the middle. And there's also like notes that give you backstory about what happened, right? I don't think that you I've can found like any find on the ground. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, um, there's like little story bits on the ground that you could find about how the world became the way it is. The calamity. Uh, the and shattering like, oh, of the nobody, Elden Ring. Nobody, nobody recycled. So nobody recycled. Uh, Florida created the don't say gay bill, and we all know what happens after that. Um, so everything falls apart. Every it all fell apart. Um, so the the main discourse that I've heard around this game uh, is that it's easy. I would not say that it's difficult so far, but I, but I don't think that that's. I also, I also don't like think that that's an a, important quality. Yeah, I feel like there's like this weird discourse around difficulty level right now because of Elden Ring, and and the that, whole thing of that really baffles baffles me. Yeah, like, I I think it's weirder because you and I are have firmly put our 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 WTDG flag in the soil to say that Elden Ring is in fact the easiest Souls game. Um, there's, if you are having difficulty playing Elden Ring, then you are probably purposefully not using systems that they're giving you. I mean, 
I, and one thing I want to make clear about Elden Ring before I quickly move on to what the actual topic was, was which is Kirby, is that, uh, like, I, I do, especially in this Elden, in Elden Ring, previously I would only play decks and basically, like, limit myself to previously. not using, not, not using items. Ring. But, mm-hmm. but there's, there's something about, like, you know, I, I take my fighting, I've been playing so much, we've both been playing so many fighting games this year, and in fighting games, you don't say, like, Hey, you gotta stop using that that uh like like hey, could you stop using like the Ramothal super? Like I, I don't like it. It's it's too fast. It seems like it's kind of not balanced. And then your friend is like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll uh, not use it quite as much. Like you use whatever is is given to you. And the, like the the Souls games are typically you know slightly unfair. Sometimes you know they have they have a trap set up that like you might not have if unless you read a a note on the ground that said like trap butthole. Um, you might miss it and then get killed by it, and it's not fair. It's not necessarily fair. Uh, so you should be using like the developers are giving you these things. Like the developers are giving you summons. Like the, the, there's no thing you you know what when you finish the game, there's not a thing that says like good on you for not using summons, guy. Like, yeah. it, so use whatever you got, and it's an easy ass game if you do. So, I, I will say that uh, difficulty does ramp up a bit towards the end. There are some uh, extremely challenging bosses, whether you do or don't use uh summons there are late game bosses that will like totally take out your summons uh pretty pretty handily i i had a lot of trouble at the end of that game uh i i I will say i finished it but let's talk about kirby yeah um so so i don't know if it's just some weird like i i agree with you i don't know if there's some sort of thing going on where people are like elden ring is so hard and then they go to kirby and they're like it's too easy like i don't think what do you want? It was never. I don't know if games you for like. I think maybe people have forgotten overnight that like difficulty isn't always an aspect that controls fun. Like in in Dark Souls, it, it, it kind of is. In, in Dark Souls, like a boss that is a tough challenge that forces you to you know adapt that a boss that maybe beats you for an hour and then you really by the end of it have got it like on lock. You know exactly how to how to fight this boss. You know the timings of everything. You know like the phases and everything. You're you're super good at it. I, that that is an area where difficulty can be a an important metric. Um, but I don't think yeah. that difficulty well, necessarily they, it creates high highs and low lows. Yeah. Right. Whereas whereas like I feel like this is a summer breezy game. Like I'm just I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Like it, it is a fast moving, fun, super like well playing, gorgeous game with like that sounds incredible. That is just beautiful. Um, and that can be fine. Like, I, I don't think that, like, you know, I don't think that part of the discussion has to be that, you know, I died 20 times on this Kirby boss. I, I, did, did I really ever die during Mario, you know, Odyssey? Did I really ever die during Mario Galaxy? I don't, I don't really remember it like that. I don't remember, I don't think about those games in such a way. I don't find, I also, and to be honest, I don't find platforming that fun after you've done it once. Like, if there's an area where you like you're you're going through the same Mario level like twenty times because it's so challenging. I don't know. Do I think it's that fun to keep doing that? I, not exactly. For me, sometimes I do. Like I feel like that was some of the fun in like Mario Maker and also in like Super Meat Boy back when that was popular. That's like different. But but again, like this is where we're, like this is kind of the conversation to be had, and that is that there are games that that the difficulty is a mechanic. Is yeah, the difficulty is very much like a part of the game it's something that you think about um 
and they get spoken about and like find the developers fine tuning that difficulty is an aspect of enjoyment with the player and then there's something like kirby or you know odyssey or something where it's it's a, like a romp it's like breezy it's it's enjoyable it's something that you'd play yeah. to wind down like you're you're probably not gonna die in the game you're probably not gonna have to redo anything you can probably play it like you can take it a melatonin and then play it as you're like half falling asleep and finish yeah. the level i'm I, I miss mario maker discourse that that game was so oh when people when were just doing crazy Wii. new things and finding new ways to abuse systems and when it and when it came out on the switch it just wasn't the same thing because of the uh the the controller like that was a wii u game like through and through that that it just it can't exist on another system and be yep. the same that's so, too bad I would say that's mostly it for Kirby. It, it is uh, mostly a known quantity. I would say the ways in which it is new is nothing that you haven't probably already seen. Um, you know, just the and, the yeah. areas look gorgeous. The area, the the ways that it's new is that it's a it looks post apocalyptic and that it's like a nature retakes. I love that. I feel like we've talked about that. We reclaimed every, nature every yeah. every week. We talk about reclaimed nature on this podcast because when video games do it right, it's like the coolest looking thing and. Uh, you know, like it, it's a great, it's a great vibe and yeah. it's super fun. I mean, would, would you consider checking out Horizon Forbidden West? I hear they do it really good and it's a really aesthetically good looking game. I'm thinking about it. I didn't really like the first Horizon. But then again, you kind of need PS5, right? To get that, to get that going. Do you? Is yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, it's not on PC, right? The first game is, but the second one is not. Probably not going to happen then. But people like that, that first one too. I, I just don't like those... Those like Assassin's Creed, like when I think of that game, I think of like Assassin's Creed and I just, uh, I don't dig a lot of those. Yeah, th there's, there is some, I was thinking yesterday about Elden Ring and just like, just riding around on the horse and I was kind of trying to find, there's this point where they're, you know, a character says something like things are going to be bad after this and you get a kind of like point of no return like i i don't i don't know what exactly is happening after it but there's a point where it's just kind of like you know it, it, you get a nudge to like finish up some of the loose threads so i was just kind of you know exploring the world a little bit more and going back doing old things and like breezing through kind of like old content but there was this there's this feeling of like i i don't know I, when, when games do something so right Especially when it's mostly a known quantity, I think that it sounds so not special. Um, like I, I, re I always remember Nintendo talking about Breath of Breath of the Wild, and they were like, "You see that mountain? You can go there." And there was just and like I remember people laughing, and there was like podcasts, like there was like a, you know like like this was it, it seemed like this out of touch Japanese developer thing because it, you know I feel like five years ago the Japanese yeah. developers were in a weirder spot where like there wasn't really great games coming out of Japan for a little while for like you know five ten yeah, years when, where when Capcom was just like when Capcom was bad making and, Resident Evil 7 no Resident Evil 6 yeah Resident yes. Evil 6 yeah that I mean that's a perfect yeah that's a perfect explanation of that era where it's like the Japanese developers were basically trying to do eastern games but doing it wrong they're like, oh, you know, Gears is good, so Resident Evil has got to be Gears. Um, so, you know, they, there was a weird time. And to hear, and, and, you know, Breath of the Wild came out in 2017, and I think that the Switch, in large part, like, echoed in a return, and, and Capcom the, is a good example, too, where they started stepping their game up. But uh, that, that, like, maybe, like, tw around 2017 was when you started to see that turn. But to hear a Japanese developer say, you know, Breath of the Wild is going to be open world. You can, do you see off in the distance? You can go there. Was this like laughable moment where 
there's tons of games that do that. That's not a special quality. Like the, the you just mentioned Assassin's Creed. There's whole Ubisoft has made their their golden throne on games where letting you, you go to the mountain. You climb <laughs> you climb on top of a mountain and you look down and then it pings all these places on the map. There was nothing yeah. special about that. And and there, but there is this. What is the kind of I, I think Assassin's Creed, like the the qualif- like the the thing that sets like an Assassin's Creed open world game apart from a Breath of the Wild, is that Assassin's Creed is a checklist. The game. icons. That's I how mean, I think people always do mention the game, icons. Yeah. Um, you got to check things off. There's definitely, you know, God damn, I'm gonna have to edit this part of the podcast out unless I get lazy. But th- what's that French term for that? That like, you know, that little something extra that you can't even. Exp- you know what I'm talking about? Mm, yeah. We'll come back to it, but there's there's a, some there's something extra that I can't explain to these to the the games that do Breath of the Wild style open world where it it feels like you are exploring that it is your journey that like you choose you see three or four things off in the distance and you choose what takes your interest and get a little reward from it you know and just moving around in that open world and I think it cannot be said how how much effort and how good the open world is and and i i think of such basic things where i was just you know riding along you know how they they have those convoys of of uh knights and and the the giants and i was just like riding alongside you know a the the road to the capital and there's these knights you know just walking down the capital and there's a convoy and stuff and it just feels like even though it's so that's not that special for me to explain. You know, there's, there's, oh, it's an open world game where, you know, people are moving around and it looks like there are, you know, uh, live aspects to the game that, that, you know, things are going on in the distance, like wildlife is moving around, people are traveling sure. on the roads. That, that shouldn't be that special, but there's something about maybe just the aesthetic and the characters and the atmosphere, the dawn, like the, there's the overwhelming nature of the game. Um, just makes it feel so much more lived in and immersive and and weird. Like the things that I could praise it for, I think a lot of other games have done in theory, but maybe not have nailed to this degree. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, and especially some of those late game areas and late game dungeons are really uh, some of the best that the series has ever had. Yeah, there's, so a, there's visual it, aspects that are... So, so it is uh, succeeding in uh, also those closed off areas as well. Like, like uh, one of one of the last areas, the area you just enter, entered, is so like visually wild. Yeah, that that it just it, that area blew my mind. I know, know? It, it, it is so really cool. one of the most creative looking Souls areas and, of all time. And, and it is uh, the there are areas and vistas that will actually like give you vertigo or make you like anxious just to be there because they make your character feel so insignificant. And that's always been like a cornerstone of uh, Souls games of like but, your character is just like a pile of dirt. They're the ashen one, the tarnished, the the miserable undead, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. But we talked about this to some extent. But I think to further that 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 conversation, it, it feels like the way I felt during Outer Wilds. You get, sure. Yeah, you get absolutely. A, more than in an, in a regular game, um, you know, when you stand by the Erd Tree or you're that close there is like a pit, there is like a drop in my stomach for how disturbingly big some of the elements are or like small you feel or when you, 
you know, walk out onto this like balcony and on this, you know, major city and you see just off and possibly far into the distance and you're seeing all these rooftops and thinking, you know, all of those rooftops are places that I can go. This area looks massive and sprawling. Just there's so many times where it really does give you that almost sense of like standing at the Grand Canyon, this like pit in your stomach. Like this is beyond yeah. my Did Did you scope, play my... uh, Echoes of the Eye? Yeah. No, not yet. Oh, I you got to you got to You got to do I, that one, dude. That'll maybe that'll be my next thing because uh, are, are we are we ready to move on to the? We could talk about some other games. Yes, yeah, so I was I was gonna play. I was so hyped for Tunic. I you were hyped. For I it. was looking at Tunic. I I can't believe I'm I, playing Tunic. I was gonna send you a, a text about you know like have you seen this? Have you heard about this? It looks so good. Um, and at first I was interested in it because it looks like a cutesy old school Zelda. Yeah, like a link to the past. It looks or like a link to the past. I think even closer, uh, Link's Awakening. Especially in that fact, um, it, the Link's Awakening it remake. Looks like yeah, it, it looks Awakening. like the Link's Awakening on Switch. And this is Tunic. This is a. $30 game out on PC. Um, it's on Game Pass, so if you've got Game Pass, it's free. Uh, otherwise, $30 on Steam. I think this was made by, like, one or two people, this tunic. This tunic. And he wears a tunic. Uh, he does, in fact, so wear a tunic. Are, he looks like, he looks like Link. He uses a sword and a shield. He has a tunic. He has a green tunic. But you might not play it. I might not play it. Despite knowing that it's pretty damn good. Despite knowing that playing, it's pretty damn good. I've been playing this. But I, I think that your issue that we've discussed is that... Uh, you may be heard a little too much about the game. Is that right? Yes. From podcasts. So we should be careful uh, to not ruin Tunic for somebody else who might be interested in playing this game. Indeed. I don't, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit. So Tunic is, uh, I, I'll say right off the bat, great art style and music. One thing that I really appreciate about Tunic is that uh, there's this discovery to the game in Zelda, like this thing happens in Zelda where you see something and you don't understand like how you're going to interact with it. And you, and you assume I'll come back later and I'll be able to deal with it. Another game that had that uh, was the witness, right? Where there would be things that you would interact with, uh, but you wouldn't really understand like what you're supposed to do with it. So you'd have to come back later the thing that's interesting about the witness, though, is that you have it. You're not getting items. Everything that you're earning is information. So Tunic kind of does these two things, where it has the Zelda-style items, where you're gonna get like maybe you'll get some magic, or maybe you'll get like a hook shot or something that's gonna help you solve this puzzle. But there's also a lot of cases where you're just getting a piece of information that tells you how to interact with the world in a way that at the start of the game you could have done had you known how the systems work. And the way that they do this is that you're finding uh, pages to an instruction manual for the game. And it is the, the instruction manual is such a, a brilliant piece of art. It reminds me exactly of the Super Nintendo Link to the Past game guide that came with the game. The art style is like one-to-one. -one. It is absolutely gorgeous. And it is when when I find one of these pages, I'm I'm not just excited to see what am I going to learn in this manual page. It's also like I, I just want to see the art, like because it is it's brilliant. It looks great, uh, and I I do really recommend this game. I I think also uh, even coming from Souls, it does have like pretty challenging combat. It it's got the uh, 
the stamina based system where there's like dodging and uh, a shield and things like that. But one of the other really interesting things about it is that there are all these combat mechanics that are at your disposal, like even at the start of the game. But until you find the manual pages, you won't know how to execute them. And I, I just think that that's uh, a really fascinating because uh, there are also occasions, and this happened to me, where I stumbled across a game mechanic that maybe I wasn't supposed to have access to because I hadn't found the page, but I just like sort of stumbled upon it the way that maybe you 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 do in one of these games. And it, it felt like this little interesting like skip almost. Mm-hmm. Where like I kind of got to skip part of the game and like get access to some things early, and I, I think that that was really fun. And and I will say that I also had a little bit of this game like spoiled for me, but a lot of the things that I ended up learning were like hour one, hour one things. So I, I still feel like even though I went into this game knowing more than I wish I did, uh, it's still great. It is worth the time. It's 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 probably worth the money, worth the thirty dollars, or or free on Game Pass if you have it. Uh, and an interesting palate cleanser from Elden Ring. What else have you been playing? You've been playing some things. I've been playing so many goddamn video games. Uh, I'm going to talk about a game that you uh, don't care about, but maybe somebody out there does, and that's uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. I don't know. I it, I've heard good things. Oh, I don't know if I'll play it, but I, I I've heard <laughs> positive things. So you know that I didn't like the writing in Borderlands Three. Uh, no but one you did. also know that I have a worse sense of humor uh, than a lot of other people. I, you know, I like my, I like poo jokes. I like my fart jokes. Um, maybe not you so know, much. try finger butthole. I like try finger butthole. I like all the messages that George R. R. Martin wrote on the ground um, in Elden Ring. But the try I thought jumping. Borderlands, Every cliff, try jumping. <laughs> I thought Borderlands 3 writing was like really bad. I've thought that Borderlands writing has been bad since Borderlands 1. I thought Borderlands 1, pretty decent. Borderlands 2, uh, a little too crazy. And then I guess, I guess it's just that it hasn't 3. evolved. Like, Borderlands 1, it felt more time-appropriate of, like, you know, something like yeah. Dude, Dude, Where's My Car is not a hilarious masterpiece, but if you, like, at the time it was funnier, or, like, Jay and... Like, Napoleon my, Dynamite was funny. Yeah, one of my favorite movies of all time is Jay and Silent Bob. Like, does it completely hold up? I would say probably not. Maybe I appreciate it more because... I can somehow get my brain back to being that young and dumb, but but if some but if someone right now was trying to watch that movie, holy shit, I don't even know if like any of those jokes work. So, but but it does. It feels like Borderlands was Borderlands One was like you could you could be like, oh, this is kind of like they're going for a funny thing, and it, it gets a little chuckles and a little groans, but like they kept doing it and they didn't evolve with the time. Yeah. And Borderlands 2, it was like the the humor was bad. The story was actually good. Like the story went places, but it was like kind of mired down by like the bad writing. And also this like mixture of there are some serious and interesting things that are happening, but also you're making like poo-poo pee-pee jokes and it's like off-putting in that way. Borderlands 3 was like very try-hard in its humor where it was like trying so hard to make you laugh and... And it did that by just trying to be like so extreme uh, that 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 kind of didn't work. And, yeah, it was every line was a joke, and, and I'm not saying that they're good. And, and the the moments that were supposed to be like heavier didn't hit, and it was like this even worse juxtaposition of here are these serious moments that are like immediately followed by like claptrap doing something stupid. So that's the setup for 
where I'm going to say that in Wonderlands, the writing is actually pretty decent. It's like From what I've seen, it's good. pretty good. I mean, I think the voice actors are pretty good. Like, I mean, there's uh, Will Arnett, Andy Samberg, Wanda Sykes. Uh, and I think yeah. that those are those are people that if you gave them good writing, they can do it. They can handle it, you know? So something that I actually think uh, made them think a little bit more about the jokes in this game is that this game is actually rated T, uh, which I think oh. helped them a lot. Oh, okay. I, I could see how that would be helpful because then you can't just lean on like... Because gone are just like all of the jokes that are like, oh, kill yourself. This guy just wants you to like shoot him in the face and blow him up. Uh, and there there are some really like funny moments with that. But let me set this up. So essentially this is a Dungeons and Dragons campaign that is happening uh, in the world of Borderlands where Tiny Tina is uh, the dungeon Who master. Who is Tiny Tina? Um, Ashley Birch. Ashley Birch, okay. Uh, so she is Aloy. Um, and Horizon, she is, uh, What's up, one of, originally. one of the, yeah. And one of the testers in Mythic Quest. So the, the voice, the voice acting is good. The, they, the worst joke in this game, and I, I can't believe that this is still here is a uh, butt stallion, which I is was like, going to say, I, I feel why like can't I rem- they let this go. Yeah. Like, why can't they let the, the, it's like this diamond unicorn, binicorn, sorry, it's a binicorn, uh, from Borderlands two that they just can't let this joke die. Uh, but I will say in this game, the joke finally dies. So, uh, she is DMing a a campaign and there is a table talk that is going on constantly, uh, between Andy Samberg's character, Valentine, who is this very much like is is trying to get very much into the role playing, but doesn't actually follow any of the rules. Then you have like Wanda Sykes character and she's playing like this robot who's like really strict about the rules but is also always trying to find her way to like min max or table talk her way through a scenario. And then you are the uh, playable character. So like you are like the newbie, you are like the, the third person that is in this campaign. And this is also the first time that Borderlands has had a character creator. And it's actually like a pretty robust system, uh, not just in terms of aesthetics, but also in terms of, uh, the voices that you could pick. There, there are eight different voices, and they're actually all voiced very well in different styles and by different uh, voice actors. One of the voice actors is actually All, all Might from uh, My Hero Academia. Oh wow! Uh, does the I think it's like the clever male voice or he, whatever. Yeah, that actor is good. But the, have you heard Japanese All Might? That is where it's at. Holy shit! I have. I can't um, even listen to to English All Might. So there are some like funny moments of there's this one NPC there. The, the Like I said, the T rating really carries the humor here. One of the quests funny? was, yeah, one of the quests is um there's this NPC who needs you to get rid of this evil wizard, but they need you to do it in a way that's nonviolent. So they're like, you absolutely can't kill him. You have to let him live. Like, please find a way to deal with this guy. So you go to him and you can either try to intimidate him or to romance him. And depending on which character voice you chose, like the writing is like pretty solid for the different ones that I've heard. But eventually, like that quest takes you to like this ancient tomb. Uh, And I've done this quest a couple of times, so I've seen some different outcomes. But it takes you to this like ancient tomb where you're like dealing with like this skeleton whose only task is to guard this very powerful weapon. And your options at this point are either you can seduce him 
uh, you can attack him or you, yeah, or you can listen to his story. And at that moment, you've like seduced multiple characters in a row. So you're like, all right, I'm just going to seduce this character. And if you try to do that, uh, it actually uh, aggros him. And then you sort of like semi fail the quest. And the actual way to deal with it is to uh, just let him talk. And he has like this five minute long monologue about how he's just here to uh, defend this relic and he's been here forever and he never sleeps and he remembers everything that he's ever had to see or do. So, And he's like explaining to you, like, imagine if uh, you could remember every moment of your life and it's constantly playing on repeat, uh, but you're older than the sun. And then he just goes through a list of like all of the adventures before you that came. And you just wait him out, and eventually he like falls asleep. Aww. But but I th- but I think that it's like th- there are some really like interesting and fun and funny moments in this game, and also just like the the side talk that you get from like the uh, like even the enemies is kind of funny. Like there are these uh, skeleton enemies, and one of my favorite lines is a uh, under every hero is a skeleton waiting to be free. That's pretty good. So it's it's just like. I'm surprised because I went into this game like I might have to turn the dialogue off, but I'm going to I'm going to enjoy the game because I always like the gameplay. But I found like, no, this is actually pretty palatable. This is this is decent. How would you say that it's different from a Borderlands game? I've heard that um, instead of the character abilities, there's like magic. Yeah. So you have um, six classes to choose from. Uh, so there's a spell shot class, which is like your wizard. There's a graveborn. Uh, which is like your blood magic, where you're like hurting yourself to deal damage. There's the Stabomancer, which is a rogue. There's a Berserker, which is a a cold Berserker, essentially. There's a Clawbringer, which is like a dragon paladin. And there's a Spore Warden, which is like a ranger that has like a mushroom pet. So each of those six classes, you get to multi-class and choose two. Uh, Each of them has like two different abilities to choose from. So the Spore Warden can either like summon these like frost tornadoes or they could take out like a a bow and arrow and like get off like six shots like think about like a like hunter from destiny style golden gun. The spell shot is the one that I'm playing right now and so their first ability is a polymorph and their second ability uh, is that they can dual wield spells. So spells are a new thing in this game that replace the grenade slot. And essentially, it's just like a different cooldown outside of your like like ability. So, you know, there will be like the Clawbringer has an ability where they can like throw a flaming hammer, but then also they get a spell. And the spell is a piece of loot that, like I said, takes the place of a grenade and they could do things like uh, summon a shower of meteors or uh, create a bubble shield or create like a, you know, homing fireballs or summon a Hydra. So it's really interesting because it's putting a lot of utility into a slot that you're constantly upgrading and changing. So getting new spells actually is just like so interesting because you think about games like this and you think about Destiny. In a Destiny game, you like, you get your ultimate ability and it's great. You love it. You use it when you can, but you're not really changing it that much. Like sometimes you're getting uh, like an exotic that will like alter how that ability works. Um, But it's always kind of the same ability outside of like changing it for classes. So it is really cool to get like this slot where you have this piece of utility or this piece of damage that you're constantly cycling out. 
as you find different ones, they're finding ones that synergize with your build. And you also think about the fact that uh, Borderlands is a game that always has like these crazy legendaries. So, so far I only found one legendary spell, but it absolutely did feel legendary. It was essentially like I would summon this gelatinous cube, like this giant, like toxic gelatinous cube that would like bounce around towards enemies and it would leave all of this like slime all over the ground. And then the slime would explode and deal poison damage. Um, the legendary so far, I found a couple. Some people have been, uh, hold on. Some people have been complaining that uh, they've been finding fewer legendaries, but that's actually like a really good thing because in Borderlands 3, there were like way too many legendaries and it was saturated to a point where uh, if you find too like too much of a good thing, right? Uh, yeah. If you're finding too many legendaries, then all of the other loot that you're finding is invalidated. So they really reduced the drop rate this time around. And I think that that's so much better because there's all these like purples and blues and greens that also are like very unique. But if everything were legendary, then you wouldn't use it. But the ones that I found have been pretty interesting. I found uh, this pickaxe where, oh, and also there's now melee weapons. That's a that's new to Borderlands. Uh, and there's some different like melee techniques that you can do where it's not just like I hit the melee button in melee. Um, so it's better than Elden Ring's combat. <laughs> no. But yeah, I mean, I, you do have a ground slam, but you kind of have that in Ashes of War. So I found this uh, goblin pickaxe, which is uh, whenever you melee, uh, it will drop an enemy will drop gold. If you pick up gold, it will increase your uh, move speed and attack speed and it stacks. So you could have this like uh, you could give a weapon like this to the berserker who has like a whirlwind ability. So your pickaxe is like constantly procking over and over. And then you're picking up more and more gold and you're moving really fast with your whirlwind. And you could just like create these insane synergies like you kind of always could in Borderlands. But it, it's fun with like this multi-classing system and choosing two of them. My my favorite one that feels like absolutely busted that I found uh, was there's like this dark magic crossbow um, that shoots like three shots um, and it and dark magic is a it's a new elemental type in Borderlands where essentially it's life leech. Uh, it deals less damage than a regular attack, but it life leech. So I found this dark magic crossbow, which at the surface level felt terrible because what it does is it shoots out like three uh, bolts in scattered directions. But the special effect on it is that once it gets a kill uh, for the next like five or ten seconds, every uh, shot homes in. So you're you're doing like if you could get one kill with this really shitty crossbow, it turns into like this insane uh, combo where like you get the next kill and then you get the next kill and the next kill because all of a sudden they're all seeking and they're all headshots. So it's it's this really neat thing of uh, get the one kill and then you're creating like this insane combo chain off of the the thing that's interesting also about Borderlands legendaries is that they don't tell you what they do. So you get one and you don't know how it's going to act until you play with it a little bit. And I guess if people like don't like that, you could look it up online and try to figure it out just like looking it up. But I kind of dig picking something up and not knowing what it's going to do. Uh, so that's Wonderland so far. Yeah, it sounds um, really good. I'm sounds digging. like a, a high point in the series. Yeah, for sure. And they're going to release uh, new character classes. They already said that a seventh class is coming. Wow. I've nice. been playing uh, a couple other games. Uh I've been playing Triangle Strategy. Have I, you seen this? I, I, I downloaded the demo of this. So this game has a demo. It's a very long demo. 
Um, it's a very bad demo. And the reason why the demo is bad is because you play one fight in this demo, and then for the next hour, it's all cutscenes. Indeed. Is is that not an... I mean... It's insane. I, I, I played the one fight, and I felt like I was getting a little bit too much of the of the the fighting and the cutscenes and I didn't think that it was doing enough new. I was I was very happy because I kind of was I kind of thought, you know, I'll get this, I'll play it. It looks like a good, you know, Switch game that that might be a little bit grindy and and I'm um, hearing some good things and then playing the demo was like, "Oh, this isn't for me." Good thing. So, let me talk to you about what's new and what's different and uh a little bit about this game. So, first off, um the story is incredibly slow, but I also think that the story is pretty decent. As a brief overview, this uh, triangle strategy, first off, was never... This is such a weird fucking thing with this company because they came out with Octopath Traveler and it was called Project Octopath Traveler. And then in all of the demos and in all of the preview coverage, it said working title, like they were going to change the title. And they just dropped Project. So they just called it Octopath Traveler. And then they did the same thing with triangle strategy where I was like, I wonder... These, I saw the previews for this game and I was like, man, I wonder what they're going to call it because there's no fucking way that they call this game Triangle Strategy. But they did. They called it Triangle Strategy and it blows my mind that they did. Uh, but this wor- the, the world that they set up is the story of three kingdoms, uh, which essentially live in, in, a, in a way of constant like Cold War, but they all keep each other in place because they all need things from each other. One of these countries controls the salt and salt is like, it's a source of magic, but also like a source of life. Like and it's, it's, it's tasty. It's used in, it's used in food. It's used in magic. It's used in like a little bit of everything. Just like in real life. One, one country controls uh, the iron production, obviously for weapons, for building. And then one country controls uh, trade goods. Uh, and the story is very much like a, a game of Thrones almost like, and I mean, it's better than season six and seven and eight of Game of Thrones, but essentially you are playing as like you're 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 essentially playing as the Stark house where you are playing as a house that is like in in the good graces of the king. uh, And your character that you're playing as is the prince. And he is soon to be betrothed to um, this. noble from ace frost which is like the iron people so i'm not going to go into too much detail but there's like pretty interesting stuff about like who this character is that you're getting wedded to where they are the the sort of the um daughter of a concubine of the king so they're kind of like illegitimate and they're also like this Roselian race which means they have pink hair which are like their race is like enslaved by the the salt country and it's it's a whole thing but it's i promise you that despite being convoluted the story actually is interesting and you are essentially uh making all of these like story choices throughout the game and whenever you do it says like sarah noah's convictions have strengthened you always get three options as a big motif of three in this game triangle strategy you're always getting three choices and whenever you choose something it says sarah noah's convictions have strengthened and I'm not sure if at some point they're going to they're going to show me something and be like, hey, you, I, and by the way, I've played this game for about like seven hours uh, where they're going to be like, hey, just so you know, uh, this is the way that you're building your character out. They they sort of feel like they're 60 percent diplomatic, 20 uh, percent 
chivalrous and 20% um, capitalist or like, I have no idea. I have no idea where they're going with like all of the things that they're like taking to heart as I make decisions. But I also think that it's a little bit more interesting to not know. So for me to just be like making all of these dialogue choices without like the metagame knowledge of, of being like, oh, you know, that's the capitalist response or something like that. So I think that's pretty neat. Um, in terms of the combat, the combat is very much Final Fantasy Tactics, which means that it's automatically better than Fire Emblem. Uh, Fire Emblem, I'm a big Fire Emblem hater. I love tactics games and I absolutely hate Fire Emblem because in Fire Emblem, I feel like everyone feels the same. Like the only difference between characters in Fire Emblem to me is like this character moves fast and can attack one space. This character moves slow and can attack two spaces away. Yeah. Um, this game, the characters all have like unique classes as they level up, they're gaining unique abilities. As you deploy one character over and over, uh, you are getting access to more of that character's backstory. So in a way, this game is borrowing some of the good parts from Fire Emblem, but the combat is more uh, Final Fantasy where they tactics, where they have uh, their unique moveset, where they have uh, different advantages uh, for sort of attacking from certain directions, like different height things where like, if you put your archers at a high point, uh, they'll be able to attack like a really wide area. If two characters are flanking, then both characters will act at the same time. Like if you hit somebody that's being flanked by an enemy, they'll hit them too. Uh, but this game also has a magic system uh, that changes the way that the, that changes the tiles essentially. Like magic in this game creates uh, areas on the ground that are dangerous and different magic combined uh, creates different types of like issues on the ground where you could like freeze an area and then like characters will move more slowly through it. And then if like a bunch of enemies are trapped in the cold area, uh, you could ignite the area and then it'll turn into a mist area. And in the mist area, uh, they'll all be blind. So there's like some strategy around that and also strategy around like, do I bring two different mages to facilitate those types of combos? So picking and choosing which characters to bring along uh, for those different synergies has been pretty interesting for me. Um, and I just dig the cast. Like, I think that the characters are interesting. Um, they give you like a pretty big roster pretty quickly while like limiting your slots where it's like, at this point I have 10 characters and I can only bring like eight on a mission. So figuring out like who stays behind when it feels like everybody is so interesting has been, has been pretty, it's been pretty fun to check that out. And like I said, the story has just been like, a the story does do some heavy lifting. Uh, but, but it's also interesting of like some, like last night I was like, oh, I really feel like playing some triangle strategy. I'm going to get in there and do a mission before bed. And then I spent like the whole allotted amount of time I had uh, getting through a story beat. And it's like, wow, I really wish that I had, a, I like could have done a mission there instead yeah. of just getting through that story beat. But I feel like it's because I'm still in the early part of the game. I feel like I'm playing Final, and, t hearing about Final Fantasy. And, and I feel Final like once, once the game like opens up a little bit more, uh, it'll be it'll it'll be nice because it won't just be like nonstop story the whole time. Is that the triangle strategies? That's triangle strategy. Oh, dang. Yeah. We want to hear about other games. What's on what's in other games? All right. So in League of Legends, I hit gold. Hell yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, I've been playing a lot of League of Legends 
And what I've been trying to do in League of Legends is I've been trying to get S rank. Uh, I've been trying to level up my mastery. So mastery, mastery didn't exist back when we played League of Legends. And mastery is such a good idea. And it's the kind of thing that you would even want in like Valorant, where the more you play a character, you eventually like unlock mastery tiers of them. And then once you hit like a certain rank of mastery, then you have to perform really well to get S ranks. And if you get the S ranks, then you can level up to mastery six and seven, which are like reserved for only people who can like farm S ranks. And I cannot for the life of me get S rank on the characters I want to. Whenever yeah. I play an off character, I get the S rank. But whenever I'm, I've been trying to get Jin, 80 carry, I, I play so much Jin. I win most of my Jin games. I cannot get an S rank. Uh, but the reason why I wanted to bring this up also is because the character that I've been S ranking on is Samira. And Samira is, I, I just wanted to briefly like mention that like Samira is one of the best champions that Riot has released in, in, in a long time. She's the in Dante one, right? She, yeah, she is a character whose like unique mechanic is if she attacks an enemy champion uh, with different abilities or attacks, uh, she builds up a combo meter uh, that goes from like F to S and her ultimate has zero cooldown, but you can only activate the ultimate on an S. She is also a character that has two different auto attacks, uh, where if she's far away, she'll shoot with a gun. If she gets closer, she'll swing a sword. And both of them uh, do uh, build up the combo meter because, you know, they, they essentially count as like two different t attack types. So you could do a thing like you shoot them, you dash them, you shoot them, you hit them with a sword, uh, you W and then like you have the S rank and you can alt. Uh, so so she is a really cool character and yeah I I just wanted to give essentially like give her a shout out because uh such a, a neat mechanic League of Legends they've been all of the characters they've been releasing have been like like pretty complex recently but I feel like Samira is one of the ones that like not only is she complex but she's also like it, it feels like she works in a different way. Intuitive, it feels like or... you're, you're, yeah, but also that you're kind of like the, the game feels different when you're playing her because she's also like the super high risk, high reward champion. And she also offers like these, these really like interesting, like a uh, uh, synergy because she essentially like has the, the Dante ability of uh, if somebody is in the air, she can attack them and it will prolong their their knock up. So if someone gets knocked up in the air, she can dash to them and and like shoot guns at them to keep them in the air. And that's pretty sick. It is. That's League of Legends. Hell yeah. What else um what else is there? I've been playing Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. Uh that's um, out but it does not have rollback, right? It it just launched yeah. for PC and weirdly enough it launched without rollback, but it will get rollback. The online has felt pretty good. I've been you know, I'm 400 miles away from John. That's who I've primarily been playing with. We're both on wired internet. Um, there is, it, it feels lagless. It feels like it is, I, I can't discern that. I can't tell the difference between this and rollback. Um, so I guess like in that way, it's okay. But this is also uh, one of the worst PC ports I've dealt with in a long time. Why? So the game has like weird sound mastering issues. Like the first couple times you open it up where some things will be really quiet, but then like multi-hitting attacks will just like exponentially increase the sound and like destroy your ears. Um, Interesting. That eventually, 
yeah, that eventually went away. But the game also does this thing of uh, if you tab away from the game, the game like does a pause, like it pauses the game. It's almost like the game is suspended. Um, so you could imagine in like an online setting where it's like, OK, I'm, you know, somebody else is playing like, you know, in this room. It's not my turn, so I'm going to tab out and look at something else. So when you do that, it suspends your game. And because your game is suspended, uh, it logs you out. So you kick, you're kicked out of that room, which essentially means uh, this game doesn't have alt tabbing. Yeah, I hate that because I actually alt tab all the time to like change music, especially in fighting games. Like I'm usually like alt tabbing a lot of times in loading screens or um, like in the lobby just to change music or look around or something like I I do not like being lo- locked into a game. Yeah, the cast is amazing. It, it's a really terrific cast. Um, the characters all feel like they have a lot of that Persona flavor. Have you played Persona 4 Arena? I played Persona 4 Arena at, when it launched. Okay, so you're you're familiar with like some of this cast. The, the one thing that I found really interesting that I think sets this game apart from other fighting games is uh, the status effects, which are like carryovers from Persona, where there will be status effects that like uh, you can like stun people, you can silence people, which um, prevents them from summoning their Persona. There's poison. There's like fear. There's all these different neat little status effects that kind of make the characters feel unique. It's really cool. That's a that's a really cool thing. Like, I, I like the idea of adding RPG elements to fighting games like that, you know? And it's got a great soundtrack. Uh, yeah, it's a Persona game. Yeah. Testament came out today. Uh, yeah. Guilty I, Gear Strife. I was pretty excited about that. I, Testament was by far the best um, trailer that they've ever released uh, because usually their trailers, they, they've they done some really like, especially like the, sometimes their trailers or even their teasers, their trailers feel like worse than teasers and their teasers feel worse than teasers. I don't even know. Like they, they're, you'll, they'll, they'll show you a character. And I remember we complained a lot about this during, what was it? I don't think happy I, it was happy chaos. It was, it was happy chaos. Was it happy chaos? I mean, yes. he's like, like most of the trailer was him doing the, uh, doing his, his uh, taunt. So there really was no con. There was no way you could look at the trailer and see what there. If if they even knew what this character would do, which I think is terrible. Like at the very least, the trailer should show. Like go, there was a Ghost Blade trailer for DNF, and you know it's a short thirty second kind of thing. But they show like two or three combos or something, so you kind of have a feel for like what would this character do, and and why would I want to play them? Okay, they're like a they they have this um you know echo. Char- they're they're like an echo character where they can do attacks and then their ghost comes out and attacks too and then they can move around while that's happening so like almost a puppety thing almost maybe a zatoi thing i'm not sure how they'll actually play um but there is a dnf uh beta this weekend but for playstation for te- only for for testament they showed really good stuff and it really seems like uh a, a the, the character seems very well thought out i think it, we we complained a lot in the game of the year about how um, the initial cast, the initial DLC characters didn't felt feel complete. It felt like there's aspects lacking to their kit and that they feel kind of like even a- a- as as they currently stand, they feel very niche, like that someone has to really just enjoy whatever weird thing that they're doing and that it feel it. It just I get I, I look at that. Not ca- but yeah, I still look at that cast, not biking, but I still look at that cast and there are characters there that feel like they're missing something. 
Um, like there, there, you know, you could soul bad guy and like Kai Kisuke were I, the first two that they developed and they feel so complete as characters. Like they're, they, they have a good, well-rounded toolkit and interesting combo routes. And you could see how people would play them in a lot of different ways. And then there's some other members of the cast, like original Ramla fall was very weird. Like it's just strong, but there's nothing really going on there. And you can, you can't really tell who is playing the character. Cause it's just a boring kit. And there's, and I think gold Lewis you know, there's really cool things about his kit, but I just wish that there was a little something extra to do with that coffin and, like, this... Like, there's this whole concept of this, you know, alien in the coffin. But with Testament, it really feels like they did a great job um, taking some aspects of that kit and taking a mid-rangey, um, like, huge-button character. Um, they took out the traps, which is a point of contention, especially for you, and... Um, uh, added more just kind of like mid-range and space control. Uh, but, but it feels like a very complete kit and very interesting, I think. Yeah, Strive is in many ways like they made a Guilty Gear game, but with a bit of... Uh, they, they took a little bit of Guilty Gear out and put in a little bit of Street Fighter, and yeah, that's kind definitely. of where Strive is. Definitely. Um, and this iteration of Testament absolutely feels like that. But I would say that they, they still... They have more Guilty Gear flavor than the average Guilty Gear character does, um, if that makes sense. Uh, because essentially this character, they, they just have weird shit going on that makes sense, uh, that, that feels good to use. Like, Jacko has weird shit going on that doesn't feel good. Yeah, but this you're, 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 you're is kind like, of, Jacko is like you're kind of fighting with her mechanically in a lot of cases. Like, you're... There's so it, it's it feels like such a weird her entire kit is summed up by her she creates a minion and then she can hit a her normals can punch the minion in a different direction and that's basically it like that, that, that should be my favorite character in the game that is the beginning and the end should of be. that character but there but there has to be more like even when i saw that I, I remember how strongly i felt day one like wow this is a really boring character their whole thing is like you know they throw a minion and then like they make the menu an attack and there's not much outside of that. And within like months of retrospective is like, yeah, basically that basically there's not much else. Like people are getting, people are getting better with the character and there's like tight block strings and she can be slightly oppressive in the right hands. Or if she, if she snowballs a, a, a victory, like if she, if she can like, you know, get advantage and, and snowball it. But I think overall the kid is still extremely boring and it hasn't evolved in an interesting way from day one. Whereas you definitely can see, testament being like having some interesting situational combos but that that kind of mid-rangey these massive buttons are 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 like pretty unique um yeah it i feel like uh 6h might be one of the large largest reaching it's like, it's the mo it's a fun button it's, it's really I mean, fun it, it's the same range as uh faust 6h but fast 6h is like mad slow and kind of kind of lame yeah, and he's, uh, but, and he's huge, but, so it, like, it, it's interesting Fox to see 6H is a, is a um, overhead. Yeah. The, the thing that sucks about Testament being in the game is that this character also makes Faust worse because Faust is one of the only characters uh, that will get hit by the Raven. Uh, oh, neutral true, because true. Because he's so tall. Oh, my God. So, so that sucks for him uh, and for Potemkin. But Potemkin the, has the it thing, coming. The thing that I'm always looking for, this character has something that, that I always love, which is like they put stuff on the field and then the enemy has to be afraid of that thing. Um, this character has like this ability to send out like these succubus. sprites or yeah. these succubus that like hang out on the field for a little bit. And then Testament can either teleport to them 
or send a projectile to the succubus. Um, and if the projectile hits the enemy or they block it, um, they get this debuff on them uh, that will essentially stain, which blows them up if they get hit. Yeah, it's kind of a and, and puts them into a ton of block stuff. Yeah, it it, it 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 works in two different ways. Like when the character is stained, um, the next hit that Testament does like procs the stain, similar to like a Faust Afro ignition. So yeah. and uh, in a block in neutral situation like that just means that it puts you in so much block stun that it gets you a chance to start another combo like uh, a block string or to try and start to reignite the or reapply stained for more pressure or go for you know like maybe like a throw mix up or strike throw um but in a combo situation if the character gets hit when they get hit they get popped they explode and get popped into the air which will probably cause a lot of situational combos and like high damage counter hit combos yeah, I think that like getting a stain pop is almost a guaranteed wall break if the testament knows, knows what they're, they're doing. doing. Yeah, it's day one for me. I learned some of those combos, but I'm probably not going to be able to do them in a, a real fight for a couple days. You know how it goes. It's yeah. hard on day one. You learn stuff and then uh, you immediately forget it. I am di- disappointed that there was no patch overall. Um, yeah, it seems like, well, they're probably holding everything for season two, right? Like there's yeah. going to be like a big... Maybe they don't want to do anything before they they want to make like broad sweeping changes to systems. Hopefully, some characters get some new buttons. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Maybe is like, Faust gets like a pogo, you know? Just just some just a little bit new aspects of kits because I think that would be the, like for the characters that kind of again feel slightly incomplete. Like I think that uh, Jacko needs more than frame data to help her out. I think that. She, I should like, I also feel like I should kind of be interested in Jacko a little bit, um, but I'm not because I think she's so boring and binary. Yeah, they but, need to add something new for those minions to do almost. Yeah. Like maybe if there's a way to like have them march, like cause one to like march. I don't even know. Like I, I'm not a designer, but it, it just feels like the only, just describing a character's kit as, you know, you take the minion out and then if you hit it with a button, then you throw the minion in a direction and then the minions can like attack. It, it just it, it there doesn't feel like enough there. There feels like there needs to be something else. Maybe if you had three minions on the field, you get like they become like a super minion or something. So the enemy has to be afraid of you building up minions or something. Uh, yeah, or or maybe Jacko could like um, shoot out a laser that bounces between the different minions. Oh yeah, <laughs> like uh, oh, like a 12. new like a new or yeah twelve um, yeah, something like be, that where it, it it just I feel like there's a, an aspect missing in the kit. Um, it almost feels like, you know, the Dragon Knight and DNF duel, how they get to have their dragon do something and then they can act while the dragon is doing it. Yeah, it feels like that's something that Jacko should be able to do, but that's that she doesn't because the minions are you're always telling them exactly what to do. And they're they're never acting without you like telling them. Yeah, you have to do an input to make her clap to make the minion act. I think that what the, the other thing that makes her kind of boring overall is that she exists in a game outside of Zato, who was a launch character. And Zato has you know one minion that he creates, but you have a lot of control over what the minion does. And the minion does something off of a negative edge, which is when you let go of a button. So you can immediately see how like how anyone who doesn't understand fighting games like your head can warp with the concept of Zato. You're pressing buttons like punch, you know for Zato and then Zato punches and then when you let go of the button then it causes his puppet character to do something and you know learning how to play that character is not only is it like 
interesting from a theoretical standpoint, but it's also interesting that it makes you, you know, think about your buttons differently, think about your hands differently. One of those characters that, like, your the combos force you to learn a different style of combo while you're, where you're holding buttons down and waiting to, like, negative edge a button. Um, so that kind of stuff, I, I just feel like he is a more complete and well-realized puppet character and her being like a puppet having these kind of like puppety aspects where you know like one of the things that puppet characters always do one of the like puppet character conceits is that they can put the puppet behind you and then get in front of you and then you can't you can't like hurt the puppet and they're like you know mixing you up they the puppet hits you and and, and she has an element of that but it's not as robust right it's not as robust and it kind of and and that's kind of where it ends and begins is like she puts the minion behind you and then you know attacks and strikes and And then attacks and then she crosses you up and creates yeah yeah, this 50 50 so i i I, she hurts my hands to play i think what i want also is i want a major rework to happy chaos who i think his um neutral and his his combos took me a really long time to pull off but he's very fun and i want to like him a lot more but People and initially he he's he's kind of an interesting failure. He's a he's a complete failure um, in in design because it's clear that Arxis went for this mid range character, maybe a like hit and run character that does a combo, throws you full screen, and then you know pulls the gun out and you're afraid to advance. But what the character eventually became is that with like very perfect movements. Um, I, I, a good example is like someone should, you know, if you want to Google Deb um, playing Happy Chaos, uh, is that if you do everything kind of perfectly, you can full screen lock someone down in block stun by just constantly. You can flow chart this character. Yeah, you can just flow chart this character. And it's not, it's kind of sad because, because Happy Chaos. It's not emergent gameplay. It's not. This is not emergent. It's not emergent gameplay. Because Happy Chaos's ranged and curse gameplay is so strong it means that there's no reason to ever do a hit and run or like a strike throw gameplay and clearly in the trailer they were going for this kind of thing where it's like you know you strike you pull out the gun and then like are you going to shoot are you going to throw and people are like afraid and they get nervous you know so there i i want them to tone down the stance attacks and i want them to tone up combo damage and maybe make his buttons better so that there's more reward for going in and because i feel like that is like reloading the gun rolling like there's so many things about that character that felt amazing you know day two or three and it got lost and i i also think that the out of all the characters i don't think that happy chaos is the best but the matches that happy chaos win are like unfun and they they win in a completely and it, guilty gear can be unfun to play against certain characters but happy That's chaos is, games. Yeah. is like happy chaos is like the pinnacle of it i again if you've never seen this kind of stuff watch deb watch as someone just sits there full screen blocking getting shot constantly it it, it is it, it is not an enjoyable play style i know that the, the, like there's ways around it and you kind of have to wait for a certain amount of time till they burn their meter out and like burn their concentration out but it, it's it's yeah. really painful to watch. It's not enjoyable for new for character anybody. releases are are typically fun. I don't often play the new characters, but it is still fun uh, in these games where the cast is so diverse. One of these characters comes out, and you're learning how to fight these characters, and that's gameplay, right? Like you're not playing them, but you're fighting them, and and that feels good. Like it feels good. That is content. Uh, but one thing that I hate is the idea of. I'm fighting this character 
and I feel like I'm not learning anything about the game. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's something you get with Happy Chaos of like, I'm losing to this character and I'm not learning how to play the I'm game. I'm full screen. Yeah. I'm not enjoying it. I think that, that we we had gotten to a point early on where I was... Re- like, we. I think we said in the second or third day um, that y- you made the point that a lot of the rounds seemed determined by the very beginning. If I could get a knockdown and start my full ranged offense going like the 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 um just constantly pulling out the gun and the the steady stance um uh and shooting you that like i could you know just get you like shoot you before you could really pull out items as faust and that it wasn't very fun if i got that kind of stuff going and then you know alternatively happy chaos has very bad defense so if you won the initial round start that I wouldn't really ever be able to get anything going after that because I could never really get you off of me. So I think that that's a pretty unfortunate way for things to go. Uh, and, and I think that uh, there is some statistics around that of like 65% of round wins are determined by the first hit. Which sucks in a uh, game that still Guilty has 6 Yeah. Um, I, I want to say... I'm excited about, about Guilty Gear. I think that Testament and, and Biken actually both show that like they're making some good design decisions on characters. Uh, I feel like both Baikin and Testament feel, I, I don't want to make like, I don't, I'm not an expert in these games. I don't want to be saying that characters are good or bad because I don't even think a lot of pro players totally grok whether that's true or not. But I feel like these two characters are both around the power level that characters should be. And that when they take into consideration balancing characters, they should maybe look at these power levels. Uh, yeah. And they really, and it, it's also this thing where we were talking about it earlier and it's like, Testament is great, but there are pros saying that with Ramlethal being in the game, Testament can only be mid-tier. And, you know, I, we'll, we'll see we'll how see about that stuff. I don't fully agree with that, but but I, I'm not a pro player. So, you know, but, but also I, I always think about the fact that like, Pro players are people who are very good at things. I was just talking about this the other day. People who are very good at things aren't always intelligent about them. Um, you know, if you talk to someone who plays basketball about, you know, theoretics of the sport, they might not be as well-spoken or they might not know why they're doing things as much as someone who is like a coach who doesn't play the sport well, but knows the sport on a theory better. Like a good example is like, Sejam is really brilliant. Um, he's really, really smart. He's a great commentator. He really knows what he's talking about. He does tons of research. He usually can pull frame data out. He knows matchups. He's not the best player, and he's not winning tournaments. And that's and that's what I kind of think of is like I think Diaphone is fantastic, but I don't. But again, like he's better than me. I'm not saying that like I'm more intelligent than Diaphone, but. I'm going to take him with a grain of salt more than I would take someone who's maybe a commentator who understands the game more on a well, theoretical Well, it level. depends also because fighting games are 1v1. So there, it is a little bit different when you think about like they're like a Valorant coach, right? Like they are thinking about the game at a more macro level, uh, but maybe an opper really thinks about like, you know, their opportunities or whatever. Their opport. Um but it does remind me of like listening to, uh, you know, you watch a pro game of Valorant and then they usually have like a post game interview. And then during the post game interview, they're like, so what do you think uh, led to you guys winning? And then like the pro player will be like, uh, yeah, we just kind of like landed our shots. Uh, you know, uh, we, we, we kind of shit on them. We got like some outplays. 
And then it's like you would listen to the coach and the coach would be like, no, they, they won because they exploited uh, the weakness on B where they always uh, they, they flash in this way when they're they should be flashing in this way. And, you know, vanity really uh, got got around that and, and made it work for him. And it's like the absolute this is like exactly players don't actually this is exactly know. what i'm talking about i mean it it, yeah. it, it does feel like and, and the, a lot of players when you're when you're playing that amount of something and you've played like ten thousand hours of valorant you're going off of a lot of instinct and yeah. you know your, your your coach and your team's job and comms job is to put you in a situ, in a good situation so maybe your coach tells you you know this team has a weak b strat mm-hmm. we've seen them that they they suck on this map we've seen that they um they play it in a very uh you know uh, wrote kind of like wrote kind of way where they're they're always flow charting. They they always put a killjoy thing if, here. If they if they do this arrow, they always go they're, this way. Yeah, so something like that where your coach is studying and is saying that, and maybe the player isn't like they're they're being put in that situation. They were told by the coach to go B. They know these kind of things, but they're they are the one who are you know pulling off the theory. They don't know the theory always, but they're pulling off the theory and that's you know what i think about sometimes yeah or it's like driving a formula one car where it's like a team is assembling this car and then a driver is being put in the car that maybe doesn't know all of the things that they went into the car yeah yeah um i want to you know put a what we were talking about fighting games and i want to give a quick wink and a nod to uh kof uh because this isn't isn't a game that we've been incredibly positive on but uh, you, I, I totally agree with you that it's kind of frustrating when a new character drops and, uh, you know, Biken came out and I, I had a strong sense of like, I actually enjoyed the Biken kit and it was a character that I wanted to play a lot, but you, what you're, you're going online and it's just all mirror matches and it's all people playing Biken and you kind of got to wait for a month before things cool down. And it, 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 it again, you know, it, it sometimes feels like if that character is not for you, you know, we had months of, you know, Gold Lewis, Jacko and, and stuff like this, where there's characters that really weren't my speed and it wasn't feeling like the game was getting changed in an important way but then you have kof and kof releases you know full uh they release teams at a, at a time so, so KOF, three characters yeah so kof released all in one bundle um rock bijanay and gato and it's a really interesting team they actually have a um cohesive mechanic which is really cool. They have a um, which kind of an FADC, if that makes any sense. Uh, uh, it's similar to the Street Fighter Four Focus Dash, uh, uh, Focus Attack Dash Cancel. Um, they have they have moves where if you hit um, punch and kick at the same time, a uh, light punch and light kick at the same time, it cancels the move. And you and because of it, like uh, Rock has like you know he he his uppercut his sure you can you can cancel it on the first frame and it'll pop the enemy up into the air and then you can like juggle off of it and Bijanay has that and, and Gato has that as well. So it's this interesting like they they all have this like interesting cohesive mechanic where they have like a cancelable move that requires no meter to cancel. Like they can just cancel this move and if it hits, it'll cause like a juggle state. So they can do these like interesting technical Street Fighter 4 looking combos. Um they're all really good additions to the game. Um I've seen them all online on different teams. It seems like they're all getting some amount of play. Uh Rock is. Have they, have they done um a balance pass on this game yet? No. Okay. Uh, Rock is a pretty standard and really fun, like uh, like you know, uh, character that you might find in KOF games. Um, he he has kind of 
almost everything you might want out of out of a kit similar almost similar to like a terry or something um i think they're also he's from mark of the wolves and so is terry so like a lot of those characters play somewhat similarly and uh he just kind of has a lot of you know he has he's a good all-rounder he's a good like ryu-ish kind of character ryu ken kind of character of the kof type archetype where he has that ground fireball he has um a dp he has he actually has a run and he uh he can a run stance where he runs at you and he can cancel it into an overhead a low uh, i think actually maybe not a low an overhead like an attack he can go behind you um and all this kind of stuff gato has um multiple stances and he has like an air stance where he jumps up and um, he can he can cancel the air stance in a bunch of different ways. But one of the ways he can cancel it is a full screen air dash, which is really interesting. So he's he's very mobile. He's a lot of buttons at once. He he feels like again um, where you're you're doing a lot of attack into stance into cancel into you know another attack. Um, so he's very technical, but he feels like probably may, maybe he's one of the best of the characters. I feel like I see him on a lot of teams. I think that the initial thought is he's perhaps the strongest of them. And then Bijanae has a lot of like wacky combos. She seems like she's a two or a three or like pro- probably like an anchor where, um, to get a lot out of her, you need to do, you need to burn a lot of meter, but that she has really, really high damage combos and a lot of like, she can just dump all of her EX. Um, and has a kind of a fun kit. So good stuff on that. Um, there's also a free Rugal update, which is awesome. I think it's really cool because uh, we knew that the next DLC was going to be the uh, Geese Howard team. And for, I, I, you know, the characters kind of look ugly. The game looks ugly. And they're also pulling from a lot of the old cast stuff. But I, I still yeah. think that this, the, the Rugal um, announcement might be one of the biggest surprises in recent fighting game history. Like the idea, it really felt out of nowhere. And, you know, adding a, a free character for everyone, you know, without owning the season pass and a free game mode and a free stage. And it's a nice all, little treat. All this is a really nice treat that it, it, it's just like nothing. It didn't seem like that was anywhere on the horizon. And it's just out of nowhere, big kind of thing to drop. I think that was really cool. He's a big, huge fan favorite. He hasn't been in the games in like a decade. Um, his last iteration was like beyond broken to the point where um, arcades used to have a thing. Usually like in a lot of arcades, they would um, write up a sign that says like, you're not allowed to play Rugal or like people will kick you off the arcade, uh, this arcade Oof. cabinet um, because he was just so poorly balanced. He's just like infamously the most unfun, un- like broken boss in the history of the game. And they're they're making a they they made a fun kind of mode where it's his AI just a, his broken AI that it, it it reads your moves so you kind of just like move forward and he instantly you know exdps you so so um it's a cool addition it's a cool free addition yeah. well, well speaking of um big big drops uh Street Fighter Five huge patch notes seventy nine pages of patch notes uh, yeah for the Street Fighter Five definitive patch. edition. This is the most definitive edition of Street Fighter V there is. Maybe the most definitive edition of any Street Fighter. Yeah, it feels like they're doing like some pretty crazy stuff and at the end of Street Fighter. Obviously, Street Fighter VI is announced. Um, all the characters, it, se- it was a massive sweeping thing where the characters were too strong, got some minor buffs. The characters that were too weak got like massive, ridiculous buffs. Um, like, Gil looks amazing. Lucia, like a lot of the characters, Rose. Um, it, like, some of the, the characters that were 
considered they, to be the they worst. They wrote paragraphs on every character yeah. on, on why they did what they did. It, it's a very well thought out thing, and the community just seems so hyped. It looks so good. Another, they, they, it, it's I might kind get of, back into it. You know? Yeah, it's kind of a technical thing to explain, but like some of the characters were better or worse based off of what moves they could cancel, and that makes sense, obviously. Um, a good example of this is like, uh, you know, certain things like a sweep button might be not might on a on a worse character might for whatever reason dumb design wise not might not be V trigger cancelable to make it safe and stuff like that and and like those kind of design choices yeah. were like like hampered characters for basically no reason. So this is really a big huge patch. Huge to kind of undo. huge fang buffs, dude. Huge fang buffs. Yes, he's, it, he's got uh, new chains. There's there's tons of new it combos cancels. like. I like Alex, I always liked Alex. Alex has like you know tons of new combos. You know that Zeku, um, they they made it so that Zeku the the transformation is going to be fast enough that he can transform mid combo and keep the combo going. Um, it'll count as a hit in the combo, but like Zeku's combos are now going to be you know him going from young to old and finishing the combo instead of it kind of used to be more like you start out a combo maybe as young or old and maybe the last hit of it you cancel into something that changes you into younger into the other form of him and changes the stance and now it's going to be he's like going to be juggling you and changing warping back and forth between young and old so yeah, very that's cool. very so cool like rainbow a lot of edition new, it seems like they're I, I don't want to say that they're making it like a little bit more arcadey but i i definitely see like reading oh yeah through, i think so I, I didn't read through all the patch notes but it's definitely they're doing things where they're making more moves combo together, but reducing damage in some places so that you could just um, like make your combos longer and more expressive. But it seems like a big philosophy throughout this. Uh, these patches are they're making it so that when you use EX meter in combos, uh, you're making decisions between either extending the combos or creating Oki situations. Yes, that's the way and, it should be. And stuff like that is is uh, really neat to see. And makes me makes me want to try it out again because it's going to feel I don't want to say it's going to feel like a whole new game, but it's going to feel good going into the game and not knowing which characters are like the good strongest. Yeah, it's going to be any complete, it's a complete status change of like the tiers are invalidated after this patch. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually interested in checking that out. I think that's going to be pretty fun. That's so many video games. That's, so that's enough video games. Video games. Enough Leave video it game. at that. Take me home. Uh, this has been WTDG podcast for the week of March 28th. Be with you. Be with you. Uh, you can find us online, WTDGpodcast.com. You can find us on uh, Twitter, at sign WTDG podcast on YouTube, coming soon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, on Spotify, iTunes, any of those sort of things. Uh, what's the deal with games where you can rate, comment, and subscribe to the show. Thank you, Ryan Galway and Bumper, for the use of mu your music. We use the intro and outro. Um, you can get it off the new album, Pop Songs 2020. You can find That's them on two, YouTube. Two years old. You can find them at YouTube where it's, you know, who's to say? Um, you can find them at YouTube where you can find links to all their merch. Thank you, James. Thanks, Ryan. And, oh, shit, try finger butthole. <laughs> That's all I got. At the end of these, it's all I got. That's all you need. <laughs>